Welcome to Leadership Arts Review, a podcast that explores the art and science of leadership. I'm Kate Arms. I'm Alyssa Dinkman. I'm Nitya Shaker. Each episode, we deep dive into one leadership book to share what we liked and what we think you can apply to your own personal leadership journey. This is season two. How exciting to even say those words out loud that we're entering season two, y'all. This is awesome. It's exciting to be at this point. It really is. I know I've been thinking back over the process of this whole podcast because I recruited the two of you. Yeah. (laughs) And it was my second kick at the can with a podcast with this concept. And the first one never got to an episode. This is so much better than that iteration. And I'm so glad (laughs) that didn't get to being what got landed on. We went through such a learning journey and it became so different than anything I could have imagined by myself. And Nithya, I'm going to just call you out on this one because you've been fantastic over and over and over again, asking the questions about what do we want this podcast to be? The growth that you've pushed for me in service of this podcast is amazing. So I'm super excited that we're going to try new things for season two. Yes. I appreciate your saying that, Kate. Thank you. And I loved seeing it, looking back at season one, just our evolution over the course of the season as we learn what this thing is that is podcasting. I mean, it's funny, we talk about leadership as both an art and a science, and not to get too meta, but I would put podcasting in the same category. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I will echo Nithya your enthusiasm for this and your different perspective that said, hey guys, this is more than just getting together and talking and then putting it out there for someone. I think we've been able to layer those kinds of things on where we're still having a good time getting together and talking about this, but having come together and said, okay, let's take a look at what have we done? What have we learned? And what do we want to do differently going forward? is very exciting. You know, I think as we look at season two, I think it also presents this really interesting opportunity for us to get input too on this question of what we can be doing differently. So that's something we'll, I know we'll talk about more at the end. I'm excited for just even listeners' creativity to to influence what we do as well. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. The fact that we're ready for that is so exciting because during the first season, we were so busy figuring out how to actually create this thing and get it out there. Mm -hmm. And I know that you, Nithya, were putting quite a lot of effort into getting the word out to listeners, but we haven't had a lot of energy for getting the word back from our listeners into the podcast and sort of completing that cycle. And part of that is because what our listeners don't know is that Alyssa has gone from not knowing how to edit any sound to editing (laughs) these amazing episodes, right? Like we've had this behind the scenes learning journey. This isn't visual, so you can't see my eyes rolling at the moment, but... Yes, I still am lower in skill than Kate, but I'm working on it. And the development has been rapid and it's been a real joy to have a partner behind the scenes working on the editing. Yeah, in my mind, you both are just editing wizards. So (laughs) So thank you for that. Don't look behind the curtain. Right, right, right. So yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to take a deeper look at season one, as we've already been alluding to. We talked about 16 books, which is wild. There's 
a lot to talk about in terms of what we most liked and what still sticks with us even long after recording and, and things like that. So what's, what's coming to your mind? One book that I now integrate into all of my teaching and coaching is 15 Commitments, mm. full title. The, the 15, 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. I know that because I recommended it twice yesterday. Did you? Yeah. So that was one that I was not familiar with. And after reading it, was kind of amazed that I hadn't been familiar with because I think there are a lot of echoes in it from the coach training that the three of us all went through. And I think there are some things in there that are that way of looking at things as very simple and not easy. I have introduced some of those concepts to quite a few students and gotten them thinking about what it means to be open and curious and committed to learning. I noticed that with that book, with 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, this above the line, below the line, it becomes this incredibly useful shorthand in so many instances in life. I would actually say the same about in Thinking Fast and Slow by Kahneman with the system one, system two type of thinking. These books that have some shorthand, right? Not, not to oversimplify everything in the book, but something that you can quickly call on to refer to a really big concept. I find those are really sticky. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's interesting to me about thinking fast and slow is that none of the language of anything in that book stuck with me. <laughs> but, or, and the system one, system two, like you say it, and I know what you're talking about, and I don't know which one is which, and you know, <laughs> it, that language didn't stick with me. What I took away from that book that I think of all the time is how you can educate your fast thinking so that your intuition is better and that it's not that you have a fixed fast thinking and that actually this learning process that we go through of unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence to conscious competence to unconscious competence, that unconscious competence is in the fast system, just like the unconscious incompetence was in the fast system. And I use that uh, all the time. When you mentioned the, the, the competence ladder, I think it's called, right? I'm reminded of how many of these concepts bleed through across the books. And I even noticed in our conversations in season one, how often we would refer back to certain books because there are right. these themes that just keep coming through. And I do think one of them is this, this notion of really intentional learning and letting yourself yep. go through that intentional process of learning as a key component of leadership. There are many others too, of course, but I know that's one that pops out for me. Yeah. One of the questions that got posed in our sort of pre-work for this conversation was what were our favorite books? And one of the things I was thinking about were one of the things, the books that I brought to the, this podcast were my favorite books. And I liked them more after having discussed them with the two of you than I did before, which was really interesting to notice. I noticed that two books that Alyssa brought, Managing Transitions and The Truth About Leadership, I pull concepts from those actively using their language quite frequently. And then two books, Nithya, that you brought, Thinking Fast and Slow and Think Again, really pointed me towards that, oh, here are ways of philosophically thinking about learning. Yeah. Yeah. I resist the word favorite because they're all awesome, but those are the, one, those are the buckets that I found. 
That's interesting because I, I had a couple of buckets as well that were around, even within intentional learning, the idea of separating the person from the thought, from emotional agility and thinking fast and slow and think again and some of 15 commitments. Mm-hmm. One other really strong <laughs> theme was feelings. What do we do with our feelings as humans? Two of the books, one book that Nithya brought and one book that you brought, Kate, the no hard feelings and say what you mean really complement each other because the no hard feelings is really about you're a person at work and a person has feelings. Mm-hmm. So how do we reframe how we look at feelings that feelings aren't bad? And then say what you mean was so powerful for me in talking about how we talk about our feelings and how we express our emotions and our needs to other people. Agreed. Expanding on that feelings concept, one big theme for me that emerged across so many books was vulnerability. Showing up authentically, being unafraid to be vulnerable or being afraid and being vulnerable anyway, (laughs) as it were. And that started right at the beginning with Dare to Lead with Brene Brown, which still, you know, after I think 16 books, it's just like, that's one I can keep going back to over and over. I also, it's funny, I resist the favorite word, but that's one I I keep on going back to. And it's a theme that emerged even in the most academic of books, even in the most abstract of books, this idea that we're, we are people first. And this is kind of reflected too, in some feedback I've gotten from folks who listen to the podcast. And and thanks again to people who, who are listening who will tell me, hey, you know, sometimes I hear y'all talking about leadership and, and a lot of it is about just being a person, <laughs> which, I, <laughs> which is great, right? And that's, in a way, that's kind of the point is uh, because Brene Brown herself says who we are is how we lead. Yep. And, and a lot of these are, are concepts on showing up as your best self and, and things that apply to everybody, regardless of what kind of position you have. But I think that's the point, isn't it, of, of leadership, it, which is that we're all leaders if we choose to be and if we step into that and take on that responsibility and that privilege. That piece about we're all leaders if we choose to be showed up in a variety of places. I was actually teaching a class yesterday that was a beginning of a series called Influence Without Authority. And it was absolutely about what it is to be a leader when you don't have formal situational power. And this came up as being a skill set that you need for two reasons. One is if you don't have situational power, it's the only way you get things done. But the other thing is that if you do have situational power, it's the way you get things done without throwing your weight around and being a bully about it. And that piece of it really doesn't matter where you are on the org chart. Leadership is leadership. It just is right in there with all of this. I had an interesting conversation earlier this week also with someone who within this small group of students had said, you know, all leaders need followers. I'm happy being a follower. And some of it, the way she was saying it was, was more of doubt of herself, of being a leader. And it opened up this great conversation about, well, what does leadership mean to you? And, and I said to her, when I hear you taking the time to coach your people and to develop your people, I said, that's leadership. I said, you know, we need to, to your point, Kate, and I know it's something that the three of us really come together on is that you decide what leadership means for you. And that's what you bring to the world. 
so another bucket that came up in terms of themes was that idea of leadership as serving others. There's this big emphasis on who we are and knowing ourselves, as you were talking about, Nithya, and showing that vulnerability. And then there's the other side of it from things like outward mindset and truth about leadership. And I thought in Margaret Wheatley's Who Do We Choose to Be? Mm-hmm. about what it means to bring that leadership into the world and that it's not just the standing in front of the room, leading everyone from the front type of leadership. I would say thinking about these books in terms of not only what resonated with me, but what I'm working on. I, I think about that a lot because here we are talking about the themes of the books and what we liked and what we learned. And it's such a reminder that even though we've read these and we've talked about them, it's not the case that we've mastered them because there's no mastering of these. Right? <laughs> I'm so glad you went there. I've been using all these things at work so hard in the last two weeks. I was totally thinking about that as we were coming in this morning. Yeah, I just, I, get, I know Alyssa said earlier, this isn't a visual podcast, but if it were, I, I love the looks on your faces as I said that. Uh, <laughs> that's another theme here is that it's leadership is something that you continue to hopefully continue to work on and continue to want to be better at. And it does take work and it's a lifelong practice. It's not something that you do these five things and then you've done it. There's always, there's no ceiling on, on this kind of growth. For me, in reading these books, I think the areas that jumped out for me as the places I really want to work on came through for sure from say what you mean. I think that was a really formative one for me in understanding how to better communicate my needs and and not make assumptions about what people may know or not know and and not ascribe motive where there maybe isn't motive. I think uh, the the outward mindset too, in, in a lot of ways around what does it mean to truly serve and be thinking about other people and how not to fall into this trap of I'm thinking about other people, but actually I'm thinking about me <laughs> and, um, and what that really looks like at work. It's, I mean, it's, it's a yeah, challenge. I mean, it's a challenge. It, that, that, what does it mean to actually think about other people rather than say, I'm thinking about other people, but I'm actually thinking about me is so subtle. And the distinction is so profound. It's actually one that I'm spending quite a lot of time in at work because there's a, there are enough pockets of people at work who have done enough of the reading in these kinds of areas that they speak the language. And some of them are still in that place where they're doing this because this is what they've seen. Like the studies show that this is the effective way to be a leader. And so I'm doing this so that I can be an effective leader rather than dropping the need to be seen as an effective leader or to see themselves as an effective leader and to just go and do the thing. Mm -hmm. And it's such a hard shift because it's so natural. You read the study that says servant leadership is more effective in this thing or customer obsession leads to products that are more popular in the marketplace. And so I have to go and be customer obsessed in order to get my bottom line. And it's, yeah, it's so hard. It is hard. I keep coming back to that idea of what if the opposite were just as true, if not more true that the say what you mean with the, with the, was it false feelings that he says, yeah, you know, where we say we feel this, but 
we actually need to look at that again because what we say we're feeling is really putting the power in the other person to make us feel that way. So how do we take ownership of that? And then the think again, just that idea of think again, just because something has worked a certain way doesn't mean that there aren't ways to say, well, what if, what if we did it this way? Or what if it was, what if I tried another hypothesis? That idea of constantly questioning yourself when we have such a picture in our mind of this confident leader, there's a disconnect there for a lot of us. And then you get a layer of the vulnerability. What happens if I show that I'm thinking again about something? Does that show that I'm indecisive? Does it show that I'm weak? What is it Mm -hmm. showing about me? And how do you lift yourself out of that? Worry less about what it's showing about you and more about helping everyone find the better outcome. Yeah. The thing that I'm finding that I'm working on myself, and it ties back to the idea that this is a thing that we all work on and that we, it's just a perpetual cycle of learning is the realization that the more skill I have at getting above the line, when I go below the line, the more I can take myself into higher pressure situations and stay above the line. The place of growth for me is, all right, that place feels like a stretch in terms of the amount of stress that that situation is in. What do I need to do to keep myself above the line in order to be above the line in that amount of pressure? Because one of the things I've realized about the work that I do is some of it is about helping the processes work and and teaching people how to communicate with each other and teaching people how to have some of these skills and coaching people to bring out the best in them. But an enormous amount of what I do is the stuff that gets talked about in emotional agility about actually having my feelings, but not being overly expressive with my feelings so that other people in the room don't have their blood pressure go up because I'm compartmentalizing and don't have the sense of being overwhelmed because I'm emotional, but actually that spaciousness that allows them to have their feelings and that helps them get above the line. And the pandemic has given lots of us lots of pressure. The great resignation has given lots of us lots of pressure. We were growing before the pandemic. We've been trying to grow through the pandemic. Now we're seeing, I I call it the great reshuffling uh, (laughs) because we're losing people and we're gaining people. Like we're hiring as fast as we've ever hired. Yeah. And there's also, I think this trend we're seeing too, around people who, who have the ability to, and and who who have the privilege to do this are taking much greater ownership around how they want to spend their time and are asking themselves the hard questions of, is this the kind of work I want to be doing? Are these the kind of people I want to be around? Is this the type of culture I want to work in? Is this how I want to structure my day or my week in terms of hours? And, And again, not everybody has the ability to necessarily ask those questions, but those who do are asking them and that's contributing to the reshuffling and, and some of the things you're saying, Kate. And so I think it presents this incredible opportunity for, for people to really lean into that and, and, and ask themselves, okay, what's most important to me? How do I want right. to show up in my next chapter? What is my next chapter? Right. And for the people who are staying, there's a leadership moment too, because the people who are leaving and saying they're leaving because they want a different kind of culture. Every time they give feedback to the company saying, this is why I'm leaving, the leaders in the company who are staying are faced with a moment of, is the kind of culture they're going to seek actually the kind of culture we want to have here or not? Because if it is the kind of culture that we want to have here, 
then we are now being called out and being given feedback that we're not being who we want to be and we're not being the kind of culture that we so so the leaders who are staying might have a task or they might actually have extra clarity going no we make a conscious decision that this is the kind of company we want to be and if you don't want to be part of this company we'd rather trade you for somebody who does want to be part of this kind of company whether you're leaving or going there's leadership moments yeah, agreed. And I'm reminded of then the, the first 90 days, right? We talk about starting something new. And so that, that came back to me around no matter where you are in this shuffling and in this moment, there's an opportunity to reset almost yeah. and, and think about, all right, how do I, what do I need to learn here? How do I form relationships here? How much do I need to pause and listen? So, yeah. 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 I mean, in coaching, there's this idea of reflecting the system to itself or holding up a mirror to an individual if it's individual coaching versus versus team coaching. And in many ways, what we're seeing in this great reshuffling is employees holding up a mirror to companies about the culture that they've actually created. The companies get to decide what to do with that. And the, and the leaders inside the companies are the voice of that. And the leaders who are disappearing are like, you know, that's, it's a form of form of power and a form of reflection. With all this news coverage about the great resignation, and Kate, I do like your coining of the great reshuffling. I saw one of those headlines this morning that says, here's what's behind it. And it's it this particular one says it can be summed up in four words: feedback that goes unheard. Wow. I'm seeing this with a lot of companies that never would have thought that work from home was a possibility. It wasn't part of their culture until there was no other choice. And now they're trying to go back to five days a week. And there was a little bit of a revolt and they had to, they had to scale it back. And this feeling of whether or not people are are being listened to, and you have such a wealth of information when you just ask your employees, what's going well? What could we change? And you can't always change it, but you need to show that you're hearing it and give some explanation as to why some things can't change so that people know they're not just giving feedback into a void. Yeah. I'm just thinking about Say What You Mean, which is a book about speaking what you want to speak. And the whole first third to a half is how to listen. In order to be heard, you have to first hear. Otherwise, the person that you're trying to talk to is going to be like, "Mm, are you talking to me? Another book that I'm drawing on a lot that I have always loved and that I brought to this podcast is Managing Transitions. And I was actually in a conversation last Friday evening with someone who knows the book very well said, well, go ahead, you know, explain it to her in in Bridges language. And yes, now we're hearing that we might be in an endemic. And she was saying, I'm not ready. And it was basically, that's okay. You don't have to be ready. If someone decrees that we're in an endemic, that's a change, but you have to adjust to that. And you have to, and we're all just in this constant feeling of transition where we have to give ourselves an opportunity to, to let go of things and to then determine what our new beginning, 
was. And it was just such a perfect example because she really was just saying, I'm not ready for that. (laughs) And I said, you don't have to be ready for that. I said, it can happen. And then you can figure out your place in that. And then another, another friend said, that was great. That was bridges in three minutes. (laughs) I did a bridges exercise. So managing transitions was new to me when you brought it to the podcast. And I found myself working with a team that had just gone through an enormous number of things where they'd started an initiative and then something had changed. And so, and then they'd been given a new initiative and they'd never closed off any of the other initiatives. And there was this idea there, but they were all sort of hanging around and it wasn't clear whether they were getting it picked up or not picked up. But so they were like holding all of these incomplete transitions all at once and they were demotivated and it was just, they were overwhelmed and they had not adjusted and the, the team hadn't recovered. And I did an exercise where I used an online whiteboard and I put a model of the endings and the in-between and then the new beginnings. And I just had them put sticky notes for all of the things that had been in change over the last year and put them in the right place in the chart. And they ended up with one sticky in the in-between and a dozen stickies in endings and nothing in new beginnings. And I was like, so why do you feel stressed? (laughs) Shocker, yeah. Right, I was like, but it was so reassuring to them to realize that it wasn't them. It was that the circumstances were that they had just, they were in this place of overwhelming new beginnings. And so we were like, okay, so which of these can we close and which of these aren't, aren't you going to do? And which of these can we actually close fast? And that gave us something we could do. I think you're speaking, Kate, to the, the power of being explicit and naming it, mm-hmm. which comes up too in a lot of these, these books. But in, in all of leadership, there is a lot, sure, a lot of it is complex or can feel complex. But the part that isn't complex and is actually simple is just call it like it is. Just say what's going on. I know, Alyssa, you and I have chatted before about like how how interesting it is sometimes in coaching work that we do where we'll ask our clients, teams, whoever we're working with, hey, what's going on? You know, what, what is it? Name it. Put it on the table or challenging sometimes our clients to say, hey, get, you know, get real with what's going on with you and then, and then tell the other person that that's what you're feeling and how powerful it can just be to point at the thing, <laughs> give it a name and say that is happening. Even before you get to solutions, that can have immense, immense power. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite things about coaching is you get the client who comes and has the phone call that says, I want to have a coach. I've got this problem and this is what's going on. And I want that solution. And I need you to help me get there. And the coach says, okay, that'll be this many sessions and this many dollars. And, you know, here's my contract. Let's get you on the calendar and I'll see you in a week. And a week later, the person comes in and goes, so in the last week, I boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and it's like that call with the coach where they booked the coaching was naming the problem and seeing it for themselves. Yep. Yep. And then the, the flip side of that is I'll have a conversation with someone who says, I, I just don't know what they want from me. And I pause and I say, have you asked? Have you- <laughs> right. Because we spend so much time guessing because we think that that's a conversation that's not allowed to happen. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what's funny is, you know, when you, when you sort of peel back the layers on that one as to what gets in the way of just asking, you know, it, it can be so many things. It could be fear anxiety that kind of comes with that. It could be inertia as well. It could be just sort of not having thought of it (laughs) or right. Not even considering it a possibility avoidance. I think any number of things, I think it's also fair to say it could be because of assumptions. I mean, I think you're sort of alluding to that, Alyssa, making it up. And I, I think of the four agreements and, you know, don't make assumptions, don't take things personally. Those are two really big ones out of the four agreements. And so often get in the way of just asking the question, right? That comes up a lot when we talk about conflict is surfacing, just surface your assumptions. And it goes back to, it goes back to the language that Brene Brown uses of the story I'm making up is giving people that language sometimes is all they need. Those are kind of the guardrails they need to then move that forward. And the idea of let's just all understand what assumptions we're coming into this with and help each other either prove them right or dispel them, but at least be on the same page. Yep. Yeah. And if anyone listening is looking for just a structure around that, I want to share that I recently ran a, a session with a team in which we had everyone go around and share when I'm at my worst, the story mm-hmm. I have about you in my head is dot, dot, dot. And when I'm at my best, the story I have about you in my head is dot, dot, dot. And what, what I really liked about mm-hmm. that was it does tap into what you're saying, Alyssa, about the story, stories we have in our heads and those assumptions. And it also positions it as, you know, when we're at our best or worst, and it's taking that ownership. It's not just giving feedback and saying, well, you said this to me and you did that to me. Yeah, there's a feedback component. But it's also saying, well, here's my 50% of that. Here's my piece of, you know, I'm at my best or I'm at my worst. And I I think it's interesting to look at the stuff we've read and and notice that there very much is this, yes, give feedback. Yes, tell the other person what you need. Yes, ask for it and own your part in it and be willing to question yourself and be willing to think again. Yeah, there's a thing that I think about in a couple of other areas that I have conversations with people where they explicitly talk about the psychological move about seeing yourself as an other, seeing yourself as an object. So seeing yourself from the outside. So many of the books that we have talked about have, if not being explicit about that, actually shown the power of really being self-aware, the power of actually turning in towards ourselves to look at ourselves. I mean, reboot went straight there. Oh yeah. But that willingness to actually look at ourselves and to see ourselves from the outside a bit and to be able to say, at my best I am and at my worst I am, and to not actually identify with either of those, but to actually see that both of those are true. Yeah, that idea uh, that we talk about so much in coaching about being at choice, the other side of that is being 100% responsible for those choices. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was first introduced to the idea of taking responsibility, I was so resistant. I was just like, what are you talking about? They're evil. How am I supposed to take responsibility for that? Right. (laughs) This is a fact. They are are right. They're evil. Right. So like, stop. (laughs) 
that can stop a person in the in their tracks when you say, and what's your part in this? And sometimes you have to ask it a couple of times, but when they have to stop and think about it because they can't just put everything on that other person. Because if you actually want to get to a better place and create a better relationship, both of you have to be in that relationship. And, and both of you have to decide what it means to be in relationship with each other. Yeah. The thing I really love about the taking 100% responsibility as framed by the authors of the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership is that it's 100%. It's not 105%. It's not 110%. It's not, it's 100%. Because the other side, the flip side of the coin is that people with really strong empathy who feel really strongly when other people are upset really want to fix other people's problems because it's so uncomfortable to be empathetic while other people are suffering. To step back and only take 100% of responsibility for your stuff is so hard. Yeah, it really is. And once again, I'm reminded of the four agreements where, we, where they say, you know, what other people do is, is because of them. And you can only look at what you're doing and what you're saying and be at choice around that. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, understanding that separation and still having empathy. I do think that's something I'm working on as well, that separation, to be clear, and, and not making that on. Being a martyr, I don't think helps anyone's leadership, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know whether she hits on this point in Dare to Lead, but one of Brené Brown's points in one of her books that I have taken to heart as a thing to strive for. She said, the most wholehearted people that I know have the best boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it's that, it's that not taking responsibility for other people's things and taking care of yourself. We talked about the cycle of learning of going from unconscious incompetence. And sometimes I think some of this reading can put us in a prolonged area of conscious incompetence. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the thing is, and the reason we're going to keep continuing this podcast is because there are always more books to read. You know, we're going to talk about how we're going to start formatting this a little bit different. And the idea that we said at the very beginning was that our goal is to read these and have some conversations and spark some interest in listeners who can say, you know what, that one sounds interesting, I want to pick it up, or that one sounds interesting and doesn't apply to me right now. Or even that one is not interesting at all. (laughs) Or not interesting at all, correct. So just thinking about how can you be curious and excited about being at conscious Conscious incompetence incompetence without, without feeling like there's no end to it. Yeah, I've been thinking about how often I have gotten in trouble because I wanted to be seen as smart and I was conscious of my incompetence. The idea that you can be smart and incompetent in specific ways and Mm -hmm. conscious of your incompetence, unconscious incompetence feels smart. Unconscious (laughs) competence feels smart. Conscious competence feels really smart because you can see just how smart you are unconscious competence, you can be brilliant and you will not feel it. Yeah. And so in many ways, the the area that you're describing, Alyssa, this conscious incompetence, which is this place that there's always more to learn is actually the most uncomfortable 
in a sense. Yeah. There's the most discomfort there. Y'all, I'm, I'm excited at the, the possibility of the three of us getting comfortable with that discomfort and, and finding possibility here as we look ahead to season two and, and continue to grow and continue to read and continue to talk because there's it can be fun here too. And, and discomfort can be fun. <laughs> Yeah. So shall we, shall we talk a little bit in specifics about sort of where we think we're going? I mean, we've got some structural things that we want to change. For those of you who have liked our tree metaphor, we're sorry. And for those of you who have found it confusing, (laughs) you know, we're going to take you some relief. We've come to the conclusion that we were repeating ourselves over and over again and, and agreeing with each other and not having a really interesting conversation. So we're going to let it go for a while and see if anybody misses it. If you miss it, do let us know. If you like that we've dropped it, let us know too. Uh, which isn't going to say that we're going to stop talking about how we would use the books. We're just going to let it be a little more organic. Yeah. And continuing on that thread, Kate, I think this notion of organic and a little less unstructured is something I'm excited about for our future conversations. And I'm excited for you, our listeners, to get to know us a little bit more too. We do talk about our work on this podcast and we're going to continue to do that. And provide examples and stories and and fun references like that. And we hope that you get to know us more too and connect with us. And so you can certainly do that through social media, but also hopefully just even through the experience of listening to the podcast, you'll get to understand how we're applying it and what we're learning and how we're personally growing in our leadership too. We're definitely still planning to do one book an episode and we- No, no, we're not. We're not. Are we not? not? (laughs) No. Our next episode, (laughs) Bill. Literally, the next episode, we're not doing that. Okay, great. Yeah, the next episode, we've got a double bill. We've got Michael Bungay's Thanier's The Coaching Habit and The Advice Trap, which was his follow-up book to the things that he felt like he was missing in The Coaching Habit. And so one of the things we'll talk about is why they work as a pair or if you need both of them. Yes, our very first double bill experiment, only possible because they're nice, short, easily accessible books. Yes, excited about that one for sure. We are thinking about more guests. So if you've got a book that you want to bring to us and have us talk about, reach out to us because we might include you. Is the only one that we have lined up at the moment lead from the outside Stacey Abrams book with Christine Gautreaux as our guest? That's the only guest at this point. But yeah, as you said, we're definitely looking for other ones. You know, we enjoyed doing that last season. We experimented with that in our season finale with Carmen Ekdahl. And And we did it uh, earlier with Margaret Leahy and the Four Agreements. That's right. And it's fun to get another voice in, in the mix every now and again. And so we definitely thank our, our guests from last season and looking forward to, to the ones we have coming. Yeah. yeah, it's a great opportunity because we're constantly looking at books and bringing books, but it's funny to look back and see which books each of us brought and to see that we can fall into a little bit of a pattern. So bringing someone else in who says, this is a book that's been important to me, gives us an opportunity to broaden our horizons a little bit as well. That's right. Yeah. We haven't actually had a chance to chat between us in a while about what books we are thinking about. I'm curious whether we've got books that we're thinking about as possible maybes. Well, after the Michael Bungay Stanier books, we do have on tap a book called Unleashed. Yes. The Unapologetic Leader's Guide to Empowering Everyone Around You. That goes back to one of our themes of servant leadership, of looking at leadership as being about developing others. 
Yeah, following that one, I'm really excited for us to talk about The Power of Us, a pretty new book. And, and I want to say, just before I talk about The Power of Us, I like that we we mix it up between sort of the classics in terms of leadership literature and, and some new ones. This is a new one. It's by Jay Van Bavel and Dominic Packer. And I happen to, to know Jay Van Bavel from my network and I met him at a few places and heard about his new book. And it's all about, it says, harnessing our shared identities to improve performance, increase cooperation, and promote social harmony. So it has a lot to do with just what it means to belong and what identity actually means and how to use that for good. There's a leadership component there around being able and willing to harness that. That one's going to be fun. So look at that. We have three really great upcoming episodes. If y'all want to get ahead of things and read those and follow along with us, (laughs) feel free to do that. I'm finding that these days I'm reading a lot more tactical stuff. I've been reading a book called Doing Agile Right, which is really about organizational development beyond innovation and leading in that space. And so it's a sort of organizational development book. I've been reading a book called Boundary Spanning Leadership, which is about the kinds of techniques you can use for leadership and conversations across groups and what it takes to have that kind of diversity and inclusion at a group level. And I've got one that I've been, that I've read recently that is on my sort of possible list called why do so many incompetent men become leaders? Not why do so many men become leaders, but why do so many incompetent men become leaders? And it's a really crucial distinction because the argument that this author is making is that the wrong people are being promoted into leadership often because what we look at and go, oh, that's leadership potential and what it takes to actually be a good leader are not the same. And so a different look at what we should be promoting into leadership will make better leaders. Maybe down the line, there'll be some some more kind of organizational development books that I bring in because that's where I've been thinking a lot these days. Yeah, that's interesting. I've been looking a little bit more at thriving in change. So I haven't looked closely at it, but I've I saw a book called Flux, Eight Superpowers for Thriving in Constant Change. And then another one that was called Leading from Anywhere that talks a lot about remote teams. That's awesome. Such timely stuff. It's funny because I I love hearing what you both are reading. And as I think about what I'm reading, it occurred to me just now that when I'm not reading for this podcast, I'm reading fiction or I'm reading memoirs of people. So I kind of generally am not reading this genre. I am late to the game on on this one, but I'm reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. I also recently read, for anyone's looking for uh, just some quick fiction recommendations, I read Circe by Madeline Miller. I'm reading her other one right now, Song of Achilles. So if anybody's into some good old Greek mythology, those, those two out. are on my bedside table waiting for me to get yes. to them. So yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to And it. although I'm reading them, you know, purely for pleasure, there's probably some lessons in there too <laughs> for, on, on how to be and how not to be <laughs> with other people. I just started a book that's from a Chicago author called Three Girls from Bronzeville. Mm. And it's in that memoir category. I don't know that that's ever come up before of where we're geographically located. That's true, isn't it? You're in Chicago, Alyssa. I'm in New York City. I'm in Toronto. Look at us. We've got it covered. Yeah. Look at us all international and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. The talking about fiction is really interesting to me now because right now I'm being a follower in fiction. I have been on about a six to nine month kick of reading the books my daughter recommends to me. And she has really great taste. I love that. 
That's yeah. so cool. She has she has three times as much fiction reading time as I do. And so when she reads them all and she's like, this one you should read, I'm like, you've distilled that from a list that's much bigger. That's super cool. And it, it reminds me too that um, any of you listening, just to reiterate uh, what Kate said earlier, if y'all have recommendations, either books for this podcast or just cool books for us to read, send them over. <laughs> we're, we're clearly big readers. We're clearly book people. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to a new season. Yes, me too, me too. Thanks to everybody who's been with us through season one. I think we're going to have a lot of fun and learn a lot this season. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally second the thanks for listening. It is hard to imagine if you've never done a podcast like this, how immensely cool it is for somebody to be like, I listened to your podcast or like, I have just read the book that you recommended. So if you're listening and you want to give somebody a really great moment of feeling, please reach out because it's an easy win. That was Leadership Arts Review. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening right now and leave us a review. It really helps us get the word out there. Tell two friends. Also, be sure to follow us at Leadership Arts Review on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to get the latest updates. Our website is podcast.leadershipartsreview.com. Leadership Arts Review is a Four Impala production. Music adapted from Nathaniel Wyvern's Sanctuary of the Sky Gods under license.